Thank you for listening to a Christ-centered message from Grace Community Church. We are committed to proclaiming the authority of God's Word without apology and trust that you will receive encouragement as we study today's passage together. Let's go in our Bibles together to Psalm 124. We've been studying these past few weeks the songs for the road, the Psalms of Ascent, that as pilgrims would make their way to Jerusalem, as they would travel, they would be, their hearts would be filled with expectation of gathering with the people of God in the presence of God and hearing the word of God just wash over them. The music, the songs, the praise, the offerings that would be given to the Lord, all anticipating the coming Lamb of God, that Jesus Christ would one day come. We have also been just rejoicing to gather again. And some, again, are joining us online from wherever they might be. But as we open Psalm 124 this morning, we see a song of rescue, a song of rescue. Now, why do we study the Old Testament? You know, some churches, they just maybe stay away from the Old Testament. Listen to what Paul wrote. In Romans chapter 15, in verse 4, he said this. He said, For whatever things, whatever was written in former days, was written for our instruction, that through endurance and through the encouragement of the Scriptures, we might have hope. So if you're here this morning and you're searching for hope, if you're in need of encouragement, then my aim today... My aim every time the word of God is open is to provide the encouragement that lasts, to to provide the hope and the help that comes from God's word. This is why we believe in Christ-centered preaching, to exalt the Lord Jesus Christ. So what we want to do is lift our eyes up to do what Paul said to the Colossians 3, verse 2, set your minds on things that are above, not on things on the earth. It's so easy to get preoccupied and be looking around at all things going on in our society, in our culture, in the news, and on social media, and have our eyes taken off the Lord Jesus. This is the aim of the psalmist. Set your mind on things that are above. This is my aim as your pastor, as a preacher of the word of God, that we lift our eyes up and we see in Psalm 124 a song of rescue. Follow along there in your Bible or on the screen as it will come up. The psalmist, and this this psalm is ascribed to David. We don't know what the circumstances were behind this psalm, but some point of delivery, some point where he had no hope and there was no, no earthly help coming and God rescued him, God delivered him. And it is in verse one, he writes, if it had not been the Lord who was on our side, Let Israel now say, if it had not been the Lord who was on our side, when people rose up against us, then they would have swallowed us up alive when their anger was kindled against us. Then the flood would have swept us away. The torrent would have gone over us. Then over us would have gone the raging waters." Blessed be the Lord who has not given us as prey to their teeth. We have escaped like a bird 
from the snare of the fowlers. The snare is broken and we have escaped. Our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. Will you read that last verse out loud with me? Our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. That's the aim of the psalmist. This is the word of the living God. As we have been studying these Psalms of Ascent, we started out in Psalm 120, where we saw the Lord is my deliverer. Lift your eyes up. Get up above the surrounding. Get up above all of the circumstances, even out of the own heart. Psalm 121, the Lord is my helper. And he lifted his eyes to the hills. Where does my strength, where does my help come from? It comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Psalm 122, the Lord is my peace. And there he lifted his eyes up above the circumstances, above the hills, all the way to the house of the Lord. And then in Psalm 123, the Lord is my master. And we saw this last week, look up to the heavens, go as high as you can go. And when you can't see the Lord who made the heavens and earth, you can see the heavens that he spoke into existence and know that he is there. Now today, Psalm 124, the Lord is my salvation. It's a song of rescue. The Lord is my salvation. And when you hear the word salvation, you're going to think of the word saves. You're going to think of the word delivers. You're going to think of savior. And it might Bring the familiar verse to us from Christmas time, Matthew 1.21, the angel saying, She will bear a son, and you, Joseph, shall call his name Jesus. Why? For he will save his people from their sins. It's our greatest need, our greatest rescue. It's not from financial problems, it's not from emotional issues, it's not from marital issues, it's sin. That's our greatest need of rescue. In Psalm 146, verse 3, the psalmist writes, Do not put your trust in princes, nor in a son of man in whom there is no help. Okay, to, to make this a modern, do not put your trust in politicians. Do not put your trust in attorneys. Do not put your trust in doctors. Do not put your trust in any person who's a son of man because they will let you down. Put your trust in the Lord. And Paul writes in Romans 10 verse 11, for the scripture says, everyone who believes, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame, will not be let down, will not be disappointed. So everyone who trusts in the Lord Jesus their trust is never disappointed. Now, there are times we go through experiences in this lifetime. Some of you, for today, being Father's Day, it, it, maybe your father is no longer living. Maybe you have a broken relationship with your father and he is living. Maybe when you think about your father, it's not a good memory. Understand this. We go through circumstances and situations in life and sometimes we are disappointed, but the Writer Paul here is saying, ultimately, we will not be disappointed. We will not be. We can trust the Lord with our present and future. 
You can trust the Lord, my friend, today. You can trust the Lord with today. You can trust him with all of your tomorrows because we look back to the past and we see his faithfulness. And this morning, we're gonna see four reasons why. All right, there's four areas that we need to remember and realize in our lives. And number one, from Psalm 124, we realize the Lord's presence. We remember his presence, that our God is a faithful covenant partner. If we see it even in the New Testament, Emmanuel meaning God with us. That our God is with us. He dwells with us. He's present with us. Israel's God was for his people. I want you to understand this. Israel's God was for his people. They were chosen. They were called by Yahweh called by his name. And so when the psalmist begins, when David starts out, there's a, there's a repetition here on purpose. Um, you know, saying it one time and then inviting the congregation, say it with me. If it had not been the Lord who was on our side. And then there's, there's an invitation of a worship leader saying, hey, let's say this with me, the congregation. If it had not been the Lord who was on our side. And as we think about this this morning, how many times that we have said this, maybe you made it through an accident or you made it through an illness or you made it through a surgery and you looked at the situation and you said legitimately, if it hadn't been the Lord, I wouldn't be here right now. And whether we know it or not, how many times we've been protected by the Lord, we're here because it has been the Lord who has sustained us. Think about it. The Israelites were rescued from the hand of Pharaoh in Egypt. Their history, their entire history as a people is filled with oppression, persecution. How many of us can say, if it had not been the Lord? Physically, I wouldn't be here had it not been the Lord on my side. Four years old, in my grandpa and grandma's you know, lake. I was on that pontoon, that little... It was just like a Tom Sawyer raft, logs put together, and I'm out there. And I had a fishing pole that looked like a Tom Sawyer cane fishing pole. I threw that thing in the water, and my four-year-old brilliant self thought, I, I need this back. And I jumped in the water. One major problem, I didn't know how to swim. And down I went. And I remember being under the water, and I didn't know what was taking place over and above me, which is my grandma looking out the window of the kitchen at the sink, seeing me go in the water, sending my, my grandpa, Victor, go get Brian. And he comes running down the hillside, all three, you know, five foot tall, comes down, reaches in, he pulls me out of the water, and I'm alive. It had it not been the Lord on my side, I'm not here physically. Had it not been the Lord on my side, spiritually he's rescued me. He's forgiven me. He's redeemed me. Physically, I wouldn't be here if the Lord had not rescued me through my grandfather. Just down the road, my, my, my dad pulled out of a creek just down the road, overflowing, and he fell in as a child, and someone saw him and pulled him out. Had it not been the Lord who's on our side. And the psalmist says, let Israel now say, remember this, it's been the Lord who has been our si on our side. He is present with us in every situation. Psalm 46 in verse one, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. I've told you before, I thought when I was a kid, always getting in trouble. That wasn't always a comforting verse. 
first I'm like, well, Lord, you're supposed to get me out of trouble. I was misunderstanding when trouble comes and trouble does come. The Lord isn't going to deliver me from consequences from my, my behavior, but he's present with me. He's a good and faithful father. So Israel's God, he was for his people. But Israel's God was against the wicked. He was against the wicked. Now, this is what we're going to see play out. Who are you for? Who are you against? Who is for you? Who's against you? It's all about who's on our side. And this is not just in the past. This is not just Old Testament. Listen to what Paul would write in Romans chapter 1, in verse 18, and he says this, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven, and here's this word, against. Against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. So those who live in sin, God is against them. In Romans 8.31, he says this, well, what shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? So my expectation is that every listener this morning would evaluate, is God for me or is God against me? Have I been rescued from sin or am I still dwelling in sin and rejecting the message of mercy that keeps coming from the Lord while I'm alive? The Israelites knew the reality of having people rise up against them. Over and over they were threatened and attacked by enemies. And beloved, if we're honest, the most significant injuries that have happened to us in our lifetimes has not been physical injury, it's been injury from people. It's from things that people have said, people that we looked up to, people that we trusted, people that we loved, that we believed loved us, and then we've heard them say things that have cut us to the core. If it had not been the Lord who was on our side, I will tell you this, if it had not been the Lord who was on our side, not only would I not be alive, but I for sure would not still be in ministry. If it had not been the Lord who was on our side, he is faithful when we are faithless. He is faithful when others abandon and desert. He is faithful and he is trustworthy. Who's on your side right now? Who is on your side? Because easily you can get caught in a trap here thinking, okay, so God is for his people. Um, God is against the wicked. So that means we're all to be against the wicked, right? Well, I want to turn your attention to Joshua, Joshua chapter 5. Joshua, okay, the com he's an army. I mean, he's just a military man, a mighty man of valor is Joshua. And when he has a meeting, he doesn't understand who he's meeting with. In Joshua chapter 5, verse 13, when Joshua was by Jericho, he lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, a man was standing before him with his sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua, now think about Joshua. Joshua is the Israelite. Joshua is a conservative. Joshua is a righteous person. Uh, Joshua wants to do what's right and so forth. He goes to this individual. He went to him and said to him, are you for us or for our adversaries? Okay, so it's setting up. 
Swords are drawn. Joshua is a mighty man, and he's asking this stranger to declare whose side you're on. If you're for us, that's a good thing. I'll let you live. If you're not for us, Joshua thinks, you're going down right now. I will fight you to the death. No fear in him at all. Now listen to the answer, though. <laughs> and he said, no. Okay, how does that answer the question? Do you want to eat lunch? Do you want to not eat lunch? No. That didn't answer the question. No, what? Are you for us or are you for our enemies? No. It is a little frustrating for Joshua. That, that didn't help me out. They didn't clarify anything yet. I'm not actually you know, going to put my sword back in its sheath just yet. And he said, no, but I am the commander of the army of the Lord. Now I have come. Whose side? That's the wrong question. Whose side are you on? And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and worshiped and said to him, what does my Lord say to his servant? And the commander of the Lord's army said to Joshua, take off your sandals from your feet for the place where you are standing is holy. And Joshua did so. He knew this story. His predecessor, Moses, had an encounter like this at the burning bush. And the presence of the Lord changes everything. And there is Joshua, and he understands who he's up against, is the commander of the army of the Lord. And we have to let this instruct us. Because when we think about it today, you know, um, is God a Republican or is God a Democrat? Is he conservative or is he liberal? Is he this nation? Is he that nation? The answer is still no. I crack up, I think back to times, you know, playing in college, intramural basketball, and we're over here praying before the game, and over there is the other team praying, Lord, help us to win. Whose side is the Lord on? <laughs> Answer, no. No, the Lord doesn't care if your team wins or not in whatever it is should they ever start playing again. He cares about something much deeper and much greater. Joshua? You're going to go serve a purpose. The purpose is the glory of the Lord. Oh, we can trust the Lord with our present and with our future when we remember the Lord's presence. He's with us. Number two, the Lord's protection. The Lord's protection, we see this in verses three, four, and five. Then they would have swallowed us up alive when their anger was kindled against us. Then the flood would have swept us away. The torrent would have gone over us. Then over us would have gone the raging waters. Right, there's word pictures here. The threat is real and we need protection. So this is what the psalmist is setting before us. There's a real danger here, a clear and present danger. And he uses these words, uh, uh, descriptions of monsters and of torrent. Okay, so here's monsters. All right? Every kid, there's a monster in my room. Is there really? No. But there are people who are threatening. Um, I think it was yesterday, I saw in North Carolina, a teenager was out in the ocean, swimming with his father, and a, and a shark got his thigh. 
and he was punching the shark in the face on the head, and along came the dad punching the shark, and they, they got the shark off of his, his son's thigh. They made it to the shore, made it to the hospital, and they were delivered. They were rescued. That's very different than, than Jaws just swallowing up alive, not even taking time to chew, just whoop, like Jonah and the whale, the great fish, just swallowed him up, didn't even take time to like, hmm, let's try this, I've had better, none of that, okay? So he's talking about these enemies, they're against us, and what do they wanna do? They wanna swallow us up alive, First Peter 5, verse eight, Peter says, be sober-minded, be watchful, your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to swallow up, devour, Pharaoh oppressed. He tried to destroy the children of Israel in Egypt. Nebuchadnezzar, the king, he captured the Israelites, carried them away captive. Herod, in Jesus' day, he wiped out all of the Jewish baby boys in a town of Bethlehem shortly after the birth of Jesus. Adolf Hitler murdered approximately six million Jews in the Holocaust. I mean, this is intense of those who would swallow up the people of God. Monsters, that's, that's what he's using, that terminology there. A torrent. Anybody ever underestimated water? I mean, water just looks so nice, you know, and you're just water skiing or on a tube behind and you get going a little faster than you're comfortable with and up you go in the air and everything is great and fine and dandy until, boom, you hit the water. And suddenly, you're trying to find your clothes. You know, they're, they're not on you anymore because the water just whoop, took them all. You're trying to catch your breath. You're trying to realize what day is it? What just happened to me? Water, you've been standing in a nice little stream and you step on a rock and down you go. Recently, the floods took out much of Midland when those, the dam broke and then the other dam broke and all that water goes flowing through. And, you, and the word pictured, like you can imagine when the tsunami happened some years ago and they looked out of Thailand and as the water withdrew and then it's, it, they can see just miles and miles of the beach. And suddenly off in the horizon, there's a wall coming and they can't make sense of it. It doesn't fit with your understanding of anything that happened on this nice, beautiful day until the water just comes in and, and just takes over entire villages, entire cities, and even countries, just wash them out. That's what he's picturing here, the torrent. Moses, Lord, the Red Sea's in front of us. Pharaoh's army's behind us. Yeah, lift your hands, Moses, and watch what I do. And then parts the water. And the children of Israel walk through on dry land. And the water is walled up on either side of them. And they're thinking, if it had not been the Lord who's on our side, we're not going to make it to the other side. And they get to the other side. And they look back. And oh no, here comes Pharaoh's army. And they're chasing us. And Moses puts his hands down. And the water washes over them. And they're gone. If it had not been the Lord who was on our side when Joshua led the next generation of Israelites through the divided waters of the Jordan River and they entered the land of Canaan on dry ground. Why? And this is what went out through all of Canaan when they were saying, don't worry, there's a, it's flood stage. They can't make it through the Jordan River. And then the word begins to go through the communities in Canaan. Are you serious? The water stopped and they just walked into our country. 
Our God never did that. Who is their God? And they were afraid. They were feel filled with fear. The Lord reigns and he is our protector. Oh, there's it's danger. But the Lord reigns and he is our protector. The enemies of God's people, oh, they're a huge problem for us. But the enemies of God's people are no problem at all for God. So my encouragement to you today is to take refuge in the Lord, our God. Our victory is guaranteed because of the resurrection. Remember what John the Apostle wrote, 1 John 4, 4, little children. You are from God and have overcome them. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. So you need not fear. We have the Lord's protection. We have the Lord's presence. Thirdly, we see the Lord's provision in verses six and seven, that if the Lord does not provide our help, then there's no hope, there's no help coming from anywhere else without the Lord. Blessed be the Lord who has not given us his prey to their teeth. We have escaped like a bird from the snare of the fowlers. The snare is broken and we have escaped. We see here the threat. There's a deadly threat. We need the Lord's provision. Now here he's talking about wild beasts. Right? He's talking about monsters, talking about the torrent, torrential water. Now he talks about wild beasts. He talks about the fowlers going out hunting for birds. Wild beasts, we can praise the Lord for providing our way of escape from the teeth of wild beasts who would devour us like prey. We can praise the Lord. And he says, blessed be the Lord. That's how he responds, is blessing to God. Praise the Lord. He is the one who's delivered us. Let me ask you something. When something goes right, who do you give praise to? What happens in your heart? What happens in your life? Are you responding with, thank you, Lord. You are so good and you have been so faithful. The threat is deadly and we need the Lord's provision. When that bird is trapped in a, in a net, it can't get out on its own can't make it. Wild beast, that, that kid, that young man wouldn't have made it without help coming in to get a shark off of his leg. And sadly, some don't make it. The Lord reigns and we remember his provision. And now when you think about the psalmist and he's just bursting forth in praise, he starts thinking back to how the Lord has provided. Some of the ways the Lord provided for his people and demonstrated his rule and authority. God delivered his people from the dominion of the Egyptian Pharaoh through the hand of his servant Moses. You can read about that in Exodus. Who is the Lord that I should obey him? That's what he said to Moses. Who is the Lord? Ten plagues later, and the death of his son, he came to understand. The Lord isn't like any gods of Egypt. God used the praise and worship of Gideon and his 300 men to deliver Israel from the army of the Midianites you can read about that in Judges chapter 7. They didn't even fight the battle. They basically wrote the song, this is how we fight our battles. Break the pitcher, blow the trumpet, and shout praise to the Lord. The sword of the Lord and Gideon. And the Lord fought and won the battle. With Gideon and his 300 men, he delivered them, he rescued them. God delivered Hezekiah the king and the people from the mighty hand of Sennacherib of Assyria. You can read about that in 2 Kings 18 and 19. In comes the Rabshaka, and he's just, he's talking in the language of the people, threatening them. 
And Hezekiah takes the threat and he goes before the Lord and he lays it out before the Lord. And he basically, in a paraphrasing way, says, Lord, you have a problem with what they're saying about you and your people. Because he's saying, who is your God that you can, he can deliver you? Have you seen what I've done to all the other nations and their gods? So, Lord, he's picking a fight with you. And the Lord answers. The Lord responds. And in one night, 2 Kings 19, one angel, 185,000 uh, army of Assyria are dead. And the man who was boasting hours before returned home and his own, his own family ended his life. Who is the Lord? He reigns. Three Hebrew children rescued from a strong and fiery hand of Nebuchadnezzar in Daniel 3. The Babylonian Empire bowed before Yahweh. A few chapters later, Daniel, no praying to anyone except the king. Sorry. Three times a day, I pray. Threw him in the lion's den. He had a, had a great, great night, slept with them. King comes in the morning, wakes him up. Daniel, has your God delivered you? Oh, king, live forever. We all do somewhere, heaven or hell. Yep, I'm, I'm good. Go get those enemies of this man of God. They didn't even make it to the floor of the lion's den. They were swallowed up alive. The Israelites were spared from, you remember Haman in the book of Esther? Wicked, evil Haman. How God used a humble, devoted Queen Esther. Just a servant girl and nobody. We said it. If I perish, I perish. But I'm going to put all of my trust in the Lord and see what he does. God allowed James in the New Testament, Acts chapter 12, to be put to death. But Peter, he was arrested. He was in prison. His death day was the next morning, and he was sleeping. And the church gathered, and the church was praying. They were united they were as one, and the Lord answered and rescued. And you read Acts chapter 12, and you see the King Herod, it didn't end well for him. He started out thinking he was the man. He ended up realizing he met the Lord of hosts. God allowed Betsy to die in a concentration camp, but Corey Tim Boom was set free from Raven's book, Ravensbrook on December 30th, 1944. She was released because of a clerical mistake. If you haven't read the book, The Hiding Place, I encourage you, summer reading, get it and read it. Her testimony. This picture right here, that is, she's kneeling beside, she's passed away now, but she is kneeling beside that little cubby hole in a shelf was in her bedroom where her family, not Jews, they reached out and they risked everything. They, they, their lives were spent rescuing and delivering the people of God. And behind her back, you see a cutout in the wall. That's the space made, a false storage area in that room in Holland. Her father was a, a watchmaker. And in that room, in that cubbyhole, they delivered, like the Underground Railroad, they delivered many Jewish people alive. How many people were in that cubbyhole behind her saying, if it had not been the Lord on our side and provided this Ten Boom family, we would already be on our way to our death. 
a week later after Corey Timboom was released on that clerical error, all of the other ladies in her company were put to death in Hitler's concentration camps. The greatest deliverance that God has ever accomplished is the cross, where Jesus would lay down his life, where God would allow his son to die on a Roman cross so that his greatest rescue might be accomplished, that through the life, death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, we can go free. I can go free. I have gone free. You can go free, set free from the penalty and the power of sin. When we observe communion together today, that's exactly what we're celebrating. He set us free through the broken body and shed blood of the Lord Jesus. Paul would write 2 Corinthians 4, 6, for God who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God. Where? In the face of Jesus Christ. Peter would write, 1 Peter 2, verse 9, talking to Gentiles, it can be said of us, I'm not an Israelite by birth. I'm not a physical descendant of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But Peter can write saying, you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Are you thankful for that deliverance? That's rescue. Ever been in the dark? And you need someone to turn a light on? We were in the darkness of the slavery of sin, and in Christ, the light was turned on, the gospel shed abroad by the Spirit in our hearts, and we were brought from darkness to light, from death to life. Oh, my friend, we can trust the Lord. You can trust the Lord with your present and with your future when we remember the Lord's presence, the Lord's protection, the Lord's provision. And lastly, in verse eight, the Lord's power. He is our ever-present help. You see, it's one thing to have power available, but if you can't get to it, it doesn't do you any good. If you can't plug into it, it doesn't help you. You know, I've got those, those uh, hedge trimmers. You know how many extension cords I've cut off doing the hedge trimmers? until someone trimming at the church had the battery-powered hedge trimmers. I was like, yes! I don't have to have a cord with no ability to plug into the power anymore because I cut away and cut my own cord. So many, anybody with me on that, or am I the only idiot when it comes to the uh, gardening, you know, lawn and garden? Battery, nothing to cut but the shrub now. Praise God for that. It's amazing. Our help, here's this word, azer, is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. This is very similar to Psalm 121. His help is personal. He is available to you this morning, Yahweh. This is no infomercial. This is no discount. This is the God who made heaven and earth is available as your help, to be your help. He is powerful. Our help is found in the name of the Lord. He's the maker of heaven and earth. So, uh, Proverbs 18.10 says, The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous man runs into it and is ah, safe. We made it to safety. Remember playing tag 
You ever watch kids playing tag? They always come up with more and more safe bases. You know what I'm saying? It's it, not safe places, safe bases. They're playing, oh, this is, uh, you can't tag me if I'm here. And pretty soon everything becomes a safe base. And then the kids are frustrated. Like, no, you said that was safe. Oh, you said that. They're running everywhere trying to be safe. I gotta be safe. The righteous man runs into the name of the Lord. Listen to what John Calvin said about the name of God. The name of God is nothing else than God himself. So think about it. When we close a prayer, in Jesus' name, his whole person, his whole identity, we're, we're coming to the Father in the name of Jesus. The name of God is nothing else than God himself. Yet it tacitly conveys a significant idea implying that as he has disclosed to us his grace by his word, we have, listen to this, ready access to him. So that in seeking him, we need not go to a distance or follow long, circuitous paths. And there are some who are brought up in you have to do this and pray this and day after day, just circular, going through religious motions and motions and motions, hoping They've done enough to merit the favor of God, all the while realizing you can't. The wages of sin is death. We deserve death. He's right here. He's available to you. Listen to what Luther said. He thus places over against the great danger, the omnipotent God. This is what the psalmist is doing. And drowns, as it were, in an anthem the wickedness of the whole world and of hell, just as a great fire consumes a little drop of water. That whatever comes against the people of God, whatever comes against you, though it be all of earth and all of hell, when the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth, is on your side and you are on his side, it's like all of that put together is a drop of water against his inferno of holiness. Amen? That is what is at the disposable, the disposal of the child of God. So listen, listen to what Psalm 20 verse 7 says. Some trust in chariots and some in horses. Some trust in politicians. Some trust in their own identity, their wealth, who they are, their status, their fame, whatever it may be, their relationships. Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we the people of God trust in the name of the Lord, our God. And I might say it a different way and say, do you trust in the name of the Lord, our God? There is no God like our God. He reigns and he invites you to come under his shelter of his wing this morning. He is the God who rescues. He is the God who saves. It's Jesus Christ in Matthew 11 saying, come to me all who are weary and heavy laden and I will give you rest. I will give you rest. So what's your next step? We do this with every sermon. This isn't just information. I don't want you to leave. Oh, I've received, that's an interesting message and I received some information. God's word is to be for our transformation. It's to change our thinking and our actions. Have you personally come to trust the Lord with your past? You might say, Pastor, you don't know who I am. You don't know what I've done. 
The Lord does. I don't need to know all that. The Lord does. Can you trust him with your past, your present, and your future? Then if so, rest in his presence, protection, provision, and power. Rest. It's all available to you in Jesus and only in Jesus. You cannot find God's rescue anywhere else but in Christ. So here's some questions for you to reflect on, to talk about, maybe this afternoon, on this Father's Day, sitting around with whoever you're with this afternoon or by phone or whatever it may be. Question number one, what impact does God's presence have on your daily life? When you wake up in the morning and God's presence is there with you, what, how does that impact you throughout the day? As you pillow your head at night, Secondly, how have you experienced God's protection in your life? How has God protected you? How have you experienced, personally experienced his protection? Have you praised him for that? Thirdly, who has the Lord provided to help you in your life to know, love, and follow Jesus? Who are the people the Lord has added into your life to get your eyes lifted up to the Lord, to encourage you? Who are those people God's added to your life in that way? And lastly, where do we need God's power at work in our lives, in us and around us? Where are you needing to see God's power on display? Maybe share that with someone today. Talk about these things today. They're available in the, you can download the guide. These questions are here. They're on the YouTube uh, link. They're there. Um, Talk about these and reflect on these. We're going to pray, and then we're going to take time and and uh, receive the offering and, and just highlight our missionary. And then our live stream will end and then we'll observe communion together, okay? Father, thank you for your word and thank you for your rescue. Thank you for Jesus who provided the ultimate rescue. Your word is filled with how you have rescued your people down through the ages. Thank you for the rescue that you have provided for us. So may we lift up our eyes to you, Lord, our God who is the maker of heaven and earth and trust in you, and rest in you. We love you, and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you again for listening to Teaching from the Word at Grace Community Church. We are located in Richmond, Michigan. You can find us online at mygracechurch.com. Please subscribe and follow us at My Grace Church. It would be greatly appreciated if you would take a moment to rate, like, and share this message. We want you to always remember that you are loved.